Hello, hello. Today we're coming to you from Medellin in Colombia. I'm Joanna McGill. And I'm Stella Teayung. And you're listening to Women's Planning. Oh, I'm so glad you said your name because there's no way I would have been able to pronounce your surname. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, I'm here with Stella. Hello. How hello. are you? <laughs> I'm fine, thanks. How was your day? Anything interesting? Um, anything interesting? I got given a book by a Colombian professor, which made me Aww. pretty happy. It's so I think cute. that was my nicest moment. <laughs> You're so cute. You're so lovely. Um, but the real question is, who are you? I'm Stella. I'm from Germany. I'm currently studying my semester abroad in Eugene. Well, I was. Kind of. Because <laughs> so I'm leaving tomorrow and mm. I'm going back to Germany, back to real life. Yeah. And I'm kind of sad and happy. Yeah, I'm I'm just kind of sad about it to be honest that that you're leaving me. Um but yes, I know Stella from here in in Medellin studying together in the UPB. And we both studied political science, yes. which was really interesting. Really really nice. I actually had really enjoyed it and still am really enjoying it. But um I haven't seen Stella for three months two and a half two and a half months because she's been off traveling around south america with her boyfriend craig shout out to craig <laughs> <laughs> hello um and yeah so like the the last episode we recorded was all about traveling and you've been doing quite a lot of that so <laughs> yeah tell us a bit about that well i think your last episode was about women traveling on their own yes yeah, so it I was, was traveling yeah. with her boyfriend and I was glad I was because I yeah, think traveling the continent alone as a woman can be pretty sketchy at points, but I mean feasible of course, I'm sure it's enjoyable as well as you noticed, Yeah. but I was really happy in many situations I had Craig with me. Well we went from Colombia to Ecuador to Peru to Bolivia and then we hitchhiked a bit in northern Chile. No, we went you, back to... You hitchhiked yeah. in Chile? I didn't think <laughs> you hitchhiked. Oh my goodness. We needed to. <laughs> Don't tell me stuff like that. Oh my word. No, it was really nice. And in Chile, in Chile it's possible and reasonably easy. I think mm-hmm. we did four or five hundred kilometers. Oh my goodness. And then we went back to Peru and last Friday took a flight to Medellin. Yeah. Yeah, and we had a little party to celebrate <laughs> Stella and Craig coming back, which was really nice. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, it's been really nice to have you back. It's been really nice to see you again. I missed you a lot, and I'm going to miss you a lot when you go back home. Yeah, likewise. You're well, just come to Germany. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to cry now. I'm, I'm definitely going to cry later, but now, I mean... Not now. Not now. I'm going to pull it together, Joanna. Huh. Yeah, so anyway, we're here today to talk about gender quotas, which is a very interesting topic. Um, and yeah, so what, what exactly is a gender quota? And uh, I mean, a gender quota is whenever laws are imposed that require businesses or industries or different jobs or professionals to employ a set number of women. And obviously quotas don't just apply to women, quotas can apply to any minority be that people of colour or people from the LGBTQ plus community. Um, and it's a hot topic in Northern Ireland as well, where I come from, um, because uh, there's been a lot of quotas put in place to employ equal numbers of Protestants and Catholics, because obviously it was, it was difficult for a Protestant to get a job in a Catholic area or a Catholic to get a job in a Protestant area. And these things serve to kind of combat 
inequality and that's what we're going to talk about today kind of do these actually combat inequality or do they sort of feed into it a little bit um i think uh, a lot of times not only women but people of any minorities obviously they encounter a lot of bias when they go in for an interview um and i think well, well the bias can be conscious or unconscious and I think one of the clearest examples of this and how it's been combated is within the classical orchestra. There's been a number of really, really interesting studies done. Um, and it's probably one of the clearest examples of gender bias in a professional atmosphere. So in the late 1970s, early 1980s, orchestras started holding blind auditions. Um, so, you know, whoever was playing their instrument would audition from behind a screen. So they wouldn't be able to see who it was. It actually even got to the point where they had to tell the performers to take their shoes off, um, because wow, really? they said that uh, juries or judging panels were impacted if they thought they could hear high heels or whatever. Mm -hmm. So they even took their shoes off, um, and using a screen to conceal candidates from the jury during preliminary auditions increased the likelihood that a female musician would advance to the next round by eleven percent. And during the final round, blind auditions increased the likelihood of female musicians being selected by 30%. Um, and according to analysis, the transition to blind auditions from 1970 to the 90s can explain 30% of the increase in um, females being hired in the orchestra. 30%. Wow, it's a big number. It's, it just seems absolutely mad to me that whenever the the judges were listening to someone playing, they weren't even listening to the tone of their instrument or to how good they could play it. They were looking at their gender or the colour of their skin or whatever else. Yeah. You know, it's absolutely mad. Um, and yeah, there's still gender quotas in place today. And I'm just gonna read this out and then I'm gonna shut up and actually let Stella talk. <laughs> um, one of the first countries to introduce gender quotas was Norway. Um, and they were trying to increase the participation of women in politics by introducing gender quotas um, in the 1980s. And since then, the number of women in Norwegian parliament has been growing. And in 1990, the percentage went up to 36%. Um, and the gender equality law, which came into force in 2006, requires companies on the market to have 40% of women on their supervisory boards. Um, and in 20, as of 2015, the percentage of women on supervisory boards was 38.7%, which proves that gender quotas are effective, but obviously they're going to be infected if you're being threatened with a fine if you don't employ more women. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I personally have really mixed feelings on quotas. Um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm just not sure how I feel about them. So. Stella. Well, I took a while to wrap my mind around this topic and I would say that I still haven't done so fully. But yeah, my instinct originally just said to me it's it doesn't seem like a good thing to have a women's quota because women don't need it. They're mm -hmm. equal to me. Women and men are equal, so why would women need it? But then I have a feeling that there's a difference between what is the case and how things should be like. Mm 
-hmm. And I think it should be the case that women and men are equal, but if you look at reality, they just aren't. Yeah. They aren't treated (coughs) equally at least. And you can see that because, I mean, women have the right to vote, they work, um, they have the same access to education as men. They have all the same opportunities, possibilities, and I would say also the same ambitions, the same wills, or at least they strive for equally as high things as men, I would say. Mm-hmm. And still in managing positions, men are just dominating and women are completely underrepresented. So I'm wondering why that is. And mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that it's not a conscious de- decision by the women saying they do not want to be in those positions. I think mm-hmm. there's something stopping them. So to me, it seems like there should be a women's quota to make things actually equal, where maybe in our minds they are equal already, but in reality things are just not equal, and yeah, a woman women's quota could facilitate that. You see, I, de- I do, I 100% agree with that, and obviously the, the theory, or it's probably better to say the reality of the glass ceiling, is something that impacts all women in their profession um, these sort of invisible barriers as well that it, it's actually it, it's quite hard to prove that it exists which is the other irritating thing but I, I just don't know if quotas is the right answer because I think to me it seems quite patronising it's like yes you're very smart and you're trying your best so we're just going to give you the job doesn't matter if you're the best we're just going to hand it to you yeah i completely agree with you and i would love to say that women don't need this quota because i'm convinced they're Mm -hmm. strong enough intelligent enough educated enough to not need it but i don't know why reality shows things are differently equally i'm yeah, I'm completely or partly on your side when you say it's patronizing mm-hmm. because why should women have to need it when men don't? But maybe it's a kind of pride as a woman when to put down. It's okay. not patronizing, it's maybe compensating a right that has been negated to them for a long time and it's making up for things that in the past really were not equal. So in order for them to be equal at some point of our lives, mm-hmm. we need something to compensate. Like a right to compensate the injustice that has been done to women, even though it's, it now might seem unjust to men. Yeah. Mm. It's such a tricky topic <laughs> because I completely understand what you're saying. But do, do you do that? Do you compensate with quotas at the risk of putting an underqualified person in the job just because they're a woman or just because they're a person of colour or whatever. Should you not... I mean, I know it's not as simple as that. In an ideal world, you should just employ the best person for the job, regardless yeah. of whatever, but unfortunately, people don't work like that. Um, I completely, completely feel you because I remember, just remember once sitting in a committee to elect a professor in back in Germany at uni mm-hmm. And I mean, I didn't have a voice in that committee, mm. I was just allowed to listen, but it was so interesting because the big question was, well, we really want the woman in there, but the applications of the women were really weak and the applications mm. of the men were really strong, independent of the gender completely. Mm-hmm. So in the end, the question was, are we inviting a woman for the sake of it? 
yeah. or are we just inviting men? And that's a really, really tough question because it feels so... It doesn't feel right to invite mm -hmm. eight men if they were women in the application equally for this very specific topic. The p only qualified people are people that have put their interest in what the job was about mm -hmm. were men. Then what should you do? What is just? Is your a really difficult question? But yeah, I'm thinking more of managing positions where I think would really help having more women because. I find that women need a voice in politics and economics as much as men. And which way are you going to achieve that if for some reason apparently it's not being achieved the way it is going now? Maybe there's an alternative to the mm -hmm. quota. I agree with you when it comes to politics to an extent. I, I think I would be in support of quotas in politics because take a look at somewhere like the UK that is so incredibly diverse but you know the majority of um, the people in the Houses of Parliament are rich old white men yeah. and that's it's not fair that doesn't represent what the country is and what the country looks like and a lot of people don't have a voice because there's no one like them mm -hmm. in Parliament there's no one that shares their opinions so they, they can't they, they can't speak for anyone um, so I think with regards to that, that would be really useful. Obviously, there's still the issue of, you know, you still have to elect someone who's, you know, fairly competent, unlike most of the people in the, the UK government, as we know at the minute. But, yeah, I think in, in politics, it's a good thing because you need to have equal representation of what the people want and not all people want the same thing. Yeah, true. How would you, well, if you have an idea, how would you implement the women's quota in politics where at which point would it would it be set the quota I don't know <laughs> yeah I'm out of a depth here out of a depth <laughs> I'm just asking because I don't know either well but we've both heard about women quota in politics mm. so it must be must yeah. work somehow yeah I think that would be definitely a good idea because politics is so such a crucial mm -hmm. field as well where women really shouldn't be underrepresented. Exactly. And I think, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like if you look, if you look at um, recently, uh, oh, what was it? It was a bill in was it the House of Parliament, and it was about. I'm probably going to get this completely wrong, but it was something about criminalizing FGM, and uh, whoever was in charge, I've completely forgotten his name. It begins with a C. Um, they presented the bill and he was like no we're going to move on to the next one just straight away yeah that, that really sucks a, an issue, a woman's issue that has nothing to do with him and it rests completely in, in the hands of a man and that's when I think it, it becomes completely unfair yeah and that's those events that make you think that the world is still kind of ruled by men mm, oh and yeah. on the global scale at least in western Europe maybe a little bit less but on the global mm -hmm. scale scale the world really is and yeah yeah part of me really thinks we should just fight this with, with whatever we can that's true because obviously like we're Europeans and we tend to look at everything from a very Eurocentric point of view yeah. like I back oh, home I like just, <laughs> literally <laughs> but like even if, if you think of back home like you you can think of so many successful women in business even look at 
um, the leaders in the UK who maybe aren't the best examples, but you know, you've got Arlene Foster, lol, Theresa May and Nicola Sturgeon, and obviously you've got Angela Merkel in Germany as well. And yeah, exactly. You've got women are able to rise up. It is harder for women than men. But if you compare that to trying to become a female CEO in somewhere like Nigeria yeah. or somewhere like India, you know, it's going to be a million times more hard. Yeah, true. But we do, we, we have it very lucky. But another one of the, like, classic, in inverted commas, arguments when it comes to quotas is why are women pushing for equality, like, for equality, in politics in nice cushy lovely well-paid boardroom jobs and Mm -hmm. you know why if people say if women truly wanted equality in the workplace then why is the mining industry 97 percent male why do women not equality in not want equality in mining Mm -hmm. in fishing in collecting rubbish yeah which i don't know how to answer that I have absolutely no idea because in those fields the gender structures are even stronger I think mm-hmm. stronger to a point that they're not even being questioned Yeah, like in agriculture I presume it's mostly men going fishing that's just yeah. for certainly for traditional reasons and I mm-hmm. think these structures will take ages to, to break yeah but why is, why is no one trying to break <laughs> those structures you know what I mean yeah. like no, nobody wants equality and you know the, the the dirty jobs you know well you're definitely right with what you're saying and it's a really good point but my thought is that what we're talking about now is like huge decision making process that yeah well that's true that affect not only their own field but like mm-hmm. the decision making process in, the, in a big company would affect many many people yeah. many workers but also people that have nothing to do with the company probably same for politics so mm-hmm. It's maybe there where women need a voice. Maybe it's more about the voice yeah. than about the job they could get. No, I agree with you. I just I don't really hold that opinion. That's just a common argument. Yeah, I think no, it's, but it's, it's kind of a dumb one a to tricky, be honest. But tricky one. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I think in order to legitimize or justify human rights, Women's women's rights are also very important. Yeah, um, human's rights are also (laughs) important, just to clarify. (laughs) Just wanted to drop that here. Yeah, shout out to human rights to later. (laughs) Um, In order to justify the like or the women's quota, um, I think you should see that, or you can argue that women need a certain type of compensation Mm -hmm. for injustice that has been done to them in the past or basically is still being done to them Mm -hmm. yeah I know I know what you mean I actually watched a a good debate about this in the Sky News boardroom Um, and one woman said women nowadays are more likely to go to university than men they are they statistically get better A level results. They have begun to out earn men in in their twenties. Um and they did this all without the help of quotas. So if these are the strides that women have made, what makes us think that now they need quotas to give them that extra push if we've been able to defy expectations without that? Yeah, I think that's that's the really weird point, but that's equally exactly the point 
why this woman quota needs to be implemented or should maybe be implemented because they have better grades mm -hmm. they're stronger at so many things mm. when it's about their own abilities yeah but it seems like when they strive for even more it's something stopping them that mm -hmm. women themselves cannot control yeah. and that could be a bias so mm -hmm. i think it's even even more striking to see that women would have better results at school at anything or at many things mm -hmm. and still wouldn't make it to managing positions yeah that's true that is true and you also have mm, i don't know if i want to say the problem or the excuse of women not being hired because of maternity leave yeah and because well, i was gonna say they're more likely to get pregnant like you know what i mean unfortunately yeah, yeah exactly and that's a common argument used in business as well. I don't want to hire a woman because if she gets pregnant, I have to pay her however many months of salary despite the fact she's not in the office. Yeah, and I think that's still a, still a reality. Even a woman yeah. that is already employed might, in a, like on an official way, not struggle, but mm -hmm. in an unofficial, indirect, subtle way, mm -hmm. a woman coming back to work after she had a child mm -hmm. might really struggle in some businesses. Yeah. And there are even some, yeah, some businesses don't don't have any interest in mm -hmm. supporting the woman because the the next thing is that the one woman then might need time off to bring their children to school or to yeah. kindergarten, and yeah, it happens that for those reasons they're just being bullied mm -hmm. out of their job indirectly, yeah. no matter what the official. Uh, rules say yeah exactly the official rules mean nothing when it comes to stuff like this there's so much going on underneath yeah. the surface so many office politics and everything that people don't really get to see and it's tragic as well because you know it's not exactly like leaving work to have a baby is an easy thing you know you're literally pushing like what an eight pound baby out of your you know whatever wherever it comes out of yeah. you know like <laughs> Yeah. And just the, the thought that someone could be so mistreated after that, after doing that, like, just, oh, oh, yeah. everything sucks. It, it definitely is a tough topic, but I think we agree that something's wrong with the status quo. Oh, obviously. And there needs to be something happening, Yeah. whether the quota is the right thing. That's the thing. I agree that there needs to be something happening. I don't know if it should be a quota, but I personally don't have... Well, I can't think of an alternative for it. A quota so, just seems too easy. It just... Uh, it just seems like handing out things to women who could get it on their own. And I don't know. I think we could do better, but I don't know what that would look like. Yeah, me neither. I don't know. I think uh, actually really... This might be a bit off topic, but um, a really good portrayal of the role of women in an office setting is have you ever watched mad men i haven't oh it's so good i started watching it over christmas mm -hmm. and it is incredible each character is so fascinating and so layered but it's it's all about so in the um 1950s 1960s all the men that worked in advertising in new york worked on madison avenue so they called mm -hmm. them mad men so this is all about um kind of the office relations in um, one of those offices in Madison Avenue and it sounds quite like shallow and like stereotypical soap opera but it's really not the way it, it shows 
the casual sexism in the office yeah. and the way that women were just delegated to phones and um, what do you call those things? Typewriters. And the way, oh, it is wonderful. If you ever want to see real office politics and like casual sexism in the workplace, watch Mad Men. Okay. I, I will. love Mad Men. Nice. Yeah. But I, I don't really have anything else to add to that. I think when I said that the system's broken, which is something I say a lot, the mm -hmm. system's broken and something needs to change, whether it's quotas or not, I don't know. We'll find out. Yeah, we will find out. Um, so, yes, I want to start doing this at the end of podcasts and shout out to Anna McKibben for this mm -hmm. idea because she was the one who did it on the first podcast. And it was, we recorded the first podcast towards the end of 2018 and Anna asked me and Rachel Cook um, what was our favourite thing we had, like our sort of favourite piece of media or whatever we'd consumed that year that was created by or featured women. So I'm going to ask you, what, is there anything you are reading, watching, listening to, enjoying that is made by women that you'd like to tell us about? Yeah, well, I think my all-time favorite story, it's a book and a film as well, is called Desert Flower by Vadis Didi, and she's a Somalian woman. It's based on a true story, and the woman herself wrote the book, and she fled from a nomad lifestyle in mm -hmm. Somalia, where she was victim of FGM. We talked about that earlier. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She was a victim of FGM and was about to get married, like, a forced marriage mm -hmm. by her dad. Basically about to get sold more or less. Exactly, she was about to get sold and she fled. So she made her way to Europe and to the mm -hmm. States and she came over her trauma from mm -hmm. being victim of FGM and she tells an amazing story of how she built up a completely new life and she's now a model and I really find this woman inspiring and fascinating and the story is incredibly sad but also mm -hmm. incredibly full of hope and yeah very fascinating and inspiring mm -hmm. I'm, I'm that's on my reading list <laughs> I have a little reading list in this notebook over here that is on it yeah you'll love it I'm yeah sure. desert flower um at the minute I am really enjoying the kind of like graphic design Whoa, what sort of accent was that Joanna? <laughs> graphic design oh my goodness um graphic design slash artwork of this girl called Florence Gibbon I want to be Florence Gibbon oh. she is the coolest person I've ever seen in my life oh my goodness um so she she's only 20 she's this 20 year old girl from London and she just makes I, I don't know how to describe it it's like the it's like feminist artwork but it's very, I don't know. Look up Florence Given on Instagram. It, it's pictures of, of girls and it'll have like slogans underneath it. Stuff about, you know, the male gaze, a woman on her own isn't waiting for you. And all these like nice, short, snappy slogans. And I really, really like her illustration style as well. I'm also definitely in love with her. Like she's absolutely beautiful. She wears the coolest clothes and I may or may not have been stalking her Spotify and like <laughs> listening to all her playlists on repeat. Florence Given, I want to be you. Oh nice, I'm definitely gonna look her up. Oh, she's so cool. But yes, so oh there we go. Um thank you very much for talking to me today. 
Thank um, you for the invitation. Stella is such a ray of sunshine, and I cannot <laughs> sing her praises enough. Um, but yes, we're going to have some dinner now, aren't we? And with, then with some French girls. With some French girls. Shout out to the French girls. You know who you are. Um, and that's going to be fun. And then I'm going to cry later when I have to say bye to Stella. Oh. But thank you so much for listening to Women's Planning. Um, Twitter page is at woman underscore splaining. Uh, contact the page if you have any questions, if you have any ideas, if you want to fight, if you have any <laughs> recommendations for anything. Fight us. Yeah, exactly. Literally fight me. <laughs> I am up for anything. So yes, thank you so much for listening and hopefully you'll tune in next time. Bye!